I find myself becoming rather antisocial as I progress in my meditation. Is this normal? I don't know if I'm qualified to answer this. I've always been antisocial my whole life. So, I mean, for me to become a monk is just like, well, yeah, that's how I live anyway. Um, but that's kind of a joke. Do, do meditators normally become antisocial? I think so, in, so, in one sense. Um, and why I think so, and, and it's something that I think many Buddhists don't, don't appreciate at all. Some, many, many Buddhists miss this, and even Buddhist meditators, you know, the meditation centers where meditators will, one, there was one meditator who was telling me, I'm sitting in meditation, and the person in the kuti on this side of me telephones the person in the kuti on this side of me. <laughs> and and she, you could hear it, right? This one's calling this one, hello, oh, hello. And <laughs> they're carrying on a conversation with this person in between. The Buddha was horribly... Um, um, what's the, horribly is not the right word, but he was, he was adamant about this, that one... A person who is undertaking the practice is, should not in, engage in any sort of socializing. Eka paviveka, one patisala nang, what's in the, in the Ovada patimoka, pantancha sayanasanang. These words all mean finding a secluded place to live, place to, to dwell. Um, the Buddha extolled people who, who are content. Narinchati patisala nang. A person doesn't throw away the opportunity for solitude, for seclusion. And again and again, he would he would talk about this, leaving behind society, uh, going because the point is, we're going back to basic principles. The the understanding that reality is phenomenological in a sense, or even solipsistic, not solipsistics, but, but in the vein of solipsism where uh, my reality is only me. And when I'm with other people, I don't learn about reality, I don't learn about um, existence. I only actually give rise to more and more proliferation and clinging and, and views and ideas inside of my own head. Because I, I don't live their life and they don't live my life. When we come together, we, we still only create stuff in our heads, thinking, oh, that person's nice, oh, that person's mean, oh, that person's this, or cute, no? or all of these ideas that come up. And we, we create more and more. That's, that's what a relationship is. Um, a relationship is the creation of... of, of something that isn't really there, that wasn't there in the first place, that, that doesn't exist in ultimate reality. So the, the only way you can start to learn about ultimate reality is to pull back and to come back to first principles, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking. A person who sees reality in terms of these six things is obviously not going to be a very social person, at least not until they can fake it. No. Because the, on the other side, I would say, 
it's possible for someone who's been practicing for a long time to be to seem somewhat social in the sense that they often interact with with other people but they won't do so much of the interacting in terms of you know, asking about people's families and so on and and they won't get caught up in it but they'll be able to to interact in such a way that people think that they're being social but actually they're thinking uh, well, maybe they're even thinking, "Get me out of here! I gotta go meditate or so on." But no, for someone who would, who is enlightened, they would, you know, n be in no way clinging to the, the the people who were there, not thinking, "Get them out of here," but not thinking, "Oh, I hope they stay and I'm attached to this." Um, but th but that's I think quite a bit later on in the beginning, there are several reasons. One might become antisocial out of this. Uh, terror that can come in meditation, the terror, the realization when I'm around people I can be a real horrible person, I can give rise to all sorts of defilements and, I, and then when you, you're alone you feel guilty, you feel, oh I said I was, what a stupid thing I said and so on and the realization that you you do nasty and, and you get into lots of trouble when you're in a group and and there's a lot of stress in it and a lot of uh, pretension, you know most of most of our relationships with people are all just fake, you know. We pretend to be someone. We put on pretenses when we're around people. And this is why people who begin to meditate will just freak out and like, well, I, I can't handle it. Which is, which is sort of how I was feeling in the beginning, because my parents were, were pretty hard on me and you know, saying, that I, something was wrong with me, and I should stop what I was stop this meditation thing. I just thought to myself, well, eventually I'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. It'll all be good. And so I, I didn't have this concern that somehow I should fit in and be social. I was like content for now to be antisocial, and like eventually I'll figure it out. Because when you, when you understand that the meditation is 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 a benefit, it doesn't really bother you that you might be antisocial or you might be you know offending other people people might be getting angry if someone gets angry at you because for example you're not uh, interested in because you're boring or you're not you don't want to go out for drinks hey well let's go out to the bar i'm sorry i don't drink you 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 know purist or so on and why don't you drink well i believe it's unethical Oh, you, you know, then you're judgmental or so on, and so on. Um, so, anyway, just some thoughts on on the idea of being antisocial. I don't know. Anyone else have more thoughts on it? I'll chime in. It's kind of ironic for me, really, because before I started meditating, I always had trouble talking to people. It was like, oh, I wish, I wish I could manage to, like, I don't know, like, especially with work and stuff, just trying to uh, talk to everybody and be like, yeah, he's a nice guy and all this stuff, and I couldn't do it. And then once I started meditating, I found it a lot easier to talk to people because you start to, you see the mind, you see what it's inclined to, so you could just say something and people be like, oh, yeah, yeah, and go with it. And I found that it became a lot easier, but I lost the desire to. <laughs> so it was, I don't know, I think that's just natural, because you just start to see, it's like you were saying, there's no usefulness to it. He's saying, 
it becomes harder and harder to tolerate gossip or delusion of others, for sure. Yeah. You get bored and you do start to feel like, oh, get me out of here. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, let me get me back to my room where I can meditate. Uh, because it's useless. You know you're not gaining anything and you can feel them pulling you in. No. You can feel they want you to stay. They want to, and and maybe you even want to stay because you, you you know you still have attachments to people and 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 laziness as well because you think if I don't stay here I got to go back and meditate and that's no fun. That's a hard work. Uh, but but you yeah for sure you you begin to feel the stress involved in in group situations. What I I've said before. What, how, how I think we can un one way I think we can understand uh, the idea of Kalyanamitta, a good friend. I think a good way to understand what it means by a good friend. A good friend is someone who leaves you alone. A good friend is someone who gives you the opportunity to learn more about yourself, who creates that opportunity. A good friend is not someone who sits there and lectures you and and preaches to you. A good friend is someone who provides you with a, with a practice. The Buddha said, uh, I think at least in one place, the Buddha said, when he teaches, he teaches thinking, what can I say that will get rid of them as quickly as possible? Basically, something like this, something very close to that. So, a very interesting teaching that he wasn't interested in keeping them there listening. He was like, what can I do that's going to get them to go and Obviously, to go and practice meditation as quickly as possible, because the point is not to uh, sit around and, and talk. Yep. Uh, yes, I experienced the same, that um, what was described earlier, that it's, it's getting, it, it came to a point where it felt kind of almost painful, <laughs> to have to to socialize with other people and I, I just wanted to go back to my room and meditate um, and interestingly it this calmed a little bit down it's not painful anymore it's, it's just I, I don't see the sense in in socializing I see sense in doing something like this, sitting here in a group and talking about the Dhamma, that yes, and that is kind of a social event, and that is good enough. <laughs> so, um, yeah, first there it was very kind of painful, but then it can relax again as well, so when you're not so tense anymore. Yeah, you start to, I think you start to learn how to be true to yourself in a social situation, which does mean keeping quiet. But, see, the problem in the beginning is not that you're quiet, the problem is that you're, you're stressed, you're tense, even as a meditator. Um, because you have an example of, Ad, like Ajahn Tong, is people come to him, people will come up, our teacher, it's, it's, it's so much fun to sit there. I sit there all day and I met the widest variety of people you could ever imagine, and the widest variety of experiences, people came up and started yelling in front of him, he's a buffalo! And just just the, the most horrible arguments, and, and Ajahn would just sit there and 
uh, you know, basically acknowledging it all, giving the right advice at the right time. These two monks, two monks came up and they were complaining about another monk. They said, uh, and they were senior monks, and, and one of them was like 20 years, and they said, this young monk, he was teaching, teaching this senior, uh, this senior monk, and I wanted to ask Ajahn Tong whether that's appropriate, because there's this, there's this monk in my teacher's monastery who likes to boss people around, and he was only a junior monk at that time. He's not even a, he's still a Nabaka, a junior monk. And Ajahn just said, well, you, you know, anyone can be anyone's teacher. A novice can be your teacher. And they were all you know, quieted down and and the other monk is like, don't, don't. The senior monk was like, just don't, don't mention, don't bring it up. Let's go, let's go. Uh, oh, and just you know, there's the, so many different stories, and the people who would just come up to meet my teacher and just sit there and talk to him about the most, you know, useless things, and he would just sit there, mm, mm, oh. And it, it was it was fun to watch because we're sitting there in torture. It's like, oh man, get me out of here! An hour she's been talking about her her arthritis. <laughs> and he's like, mm, oh, oh, and he's like, oh, looking at her her arthritis or so. So it, it does get easier, but you're no longer socializing. He's just being mindful and being, you know, present and being perfect. Really, I'm sorry my teacher.